Yet again, we're on another episode of The Beats, though. This is your friendly neighborhood producer, Calypso Beats. You can um, hit me up with uh, questions, comments, suggestions at thebeatsdoe at gmail.com. And I'm sitting alongside my guest today, Big C. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Big C, a big boy master griller. That's big boy master griller, B-I-G-G-B-O-Y, master griller. I cook, I cook with attitude. I cook with attitude. They can reach me at 718-844-0462. Or you can find me on Instagram. Or you can find me on Facebook. Again, that's Big Boy Master Griller. Master Griller. Master Griller. And we just want to hear his point of view from producers from what era, should I say? Oh, uh, man. I say when I was in the game, I think I like more of the old school DJ producers back then. Clark Kent. DJ Scratch, all these guys was turn producers. Um, that's my thing, DJ turn producer. As far as the new producers, I like DJ Khaled. He got a variety of music. I'm very limited to producers, you know, because I basically had my own style and things like that. So, what was your style um, in particular, though? Well, my era of doing beats when I was into the game was more like the Biggie era or either like the Rakim era. Like Easy Mo B. Yeah, okay. I, was more, I was more of a hi-hat mm -hmm. and a snare and a kick person. Okay. You know, I was very simple. Even even my sounds, I was more of a drum builder than actually a sound builder. Oh, okay. So you more so would start off your productions from basically drums at first. Yeah, my first, my first thing would be kicks. I would start off with kick snares, mm -hmm. then I would go into my hi-hats, then I will build a day, I would throw in some cymbals or, you know, whatever the sounds I'm looking for. But basically, I always started with beats, with kicks, like strictly just drum kicks and things like that. Right. I think, um, I don't know, because I'm kind of like in that in-between kind of era, because you got young producers now, and then you had producers that was like from the 2000s, right. and then you have from before that, as yeah. far as hip as far as hip hop goes. Yeah, you know true. what I'm saying? I think in the 2000s, it kind of spoiled a lot of producers because we could get the whole barrage of kits from anywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From like a file on your computer yeah. or either, you know, those programs that they, you know, came out with. Yeah, little, little like little acid programs. Acid or like... And the like, thing about a lot of those too, they was already four bar kits. Right. So you're not building a drum kit as, for say, you got, okay, you got your one track just for your drums, one track just for your snares, one track just for your hi-hats. So right now it was just like a four bar. So basically you can loop it. And that's when really sampling really, you know, everybody came in to sample and took it to play. Always like building drum kits. Like I could take, I could take about five different kits just to build a drum, just to build a beat itself. Right, 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 right. Further along into my whole production and producing thing, I started finding out that there's different tones to certain sounds like kicks. And let's say if I take a, a snare from one record, and I got a kick from another record, and let's yeah. say the, the key of that song was in C, and the key of the snare song was in maybe D. Right. If I put those together, it'd sound nice, but if both of them was in the same key, it would sound better. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, true. But th this is what I'm saying, like how technology kind of spoiled a lot of things, especially for producers in the 2000s or the age of the internet. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff that was created previously, I don't think a lot of producers were really thinking more so about that. If they got like a snare or something, it was like if the kick or snare was dope or not. You know what I'm saying? Right. If it was not dope, we gonna throw that shit in the garbage. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That's true because like at the same time, like back then, we didn't have so much melodies as like a lot of the music now has melodies. So basically we built our whole beats around the drum sounds. It was based around drum kits. And I found somebody like an artist, 50 Cent. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. 50 Cent is an artist, no matter what he do, if you ever pay attention to his beats, mm-hmm. his beats is always that snare kick, snare kick. Really, when he got with Dr. Dre, he really just really started adding melody. Even though he had the melodies, but it wasn't as instrumental as it is compared to his older beats. And that's where a lot of the producers, like I said, as myself, I can say for myself, from the old era, I like all of the just, I just like straight up drums, kicks. But also, I also was a type of producer, and even up to now, I still like dirty sounds. Right. Like, Could I, you elaborate more on what dirty sounds are? Well, when I say dirty sounds, like, okay, you got somebody that'll sample a drum kit or a snare. They're, as they call them there, they call them HD. I still like that old school 8-bit sound, that 12-bit sample rate, because it just it just makes it feel, even though I know they got programs now that you can, you can do it in post, mm-hmm. you can dirty up the sound, but I just like that creative of doing it original. So I know that when I say a dirty sound, it's just like a video. Mm-hmm. You know, you see guys like here that got these videos and they got these, um, they video shot in like 4K, mm-hmm. but you got a dirty, grimy hood song. Mm-hmm. And when you go to watch it, your video look, it looks too clear. Right, right. Like, it yeah. doesn't fit. Yeah, so that, that's what I mean when I say dirty up. Like, you know, right. you got to throw some filters across it. And that's so instead of going to the thing and throwing the filters, I'd rather just, and building my beats like that, I'd rather just build it from, from scratch, from like, say, 8-bit sample rates and stuff like that. And, you know, that's just how I like it. I mean, every producer is different, but... Wow, okay. I mean, you know, and, and I like to, the, the reason I do the show is so that um, I can get different perspectives of different producers from all over. Right. No matter what era, what type or whatever I can get, I want the audience to get a full spectrum. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of producers, they're very limited and they stay inside their little zones or their little boxes yeah, you're right. and they never ever go outside of that because yeah. it's comfortable. Yeah, and you, you know, know what? But honestly, you know what? I feel like a lot of producers are limited because a lot of them, they afraid to branch out. Mm. Or you got a certain producer, they always trying to mimic a certain type of beats. Mm. Like right now, trap music is very, very, very right. big. It's so hitting. so now you got a lot of dudes now just trying to do it, trying to beat, build these trap house beats. Right. But trap house beats ain't nothing but, but dirty south beats with a little twang to them. Right. <laughs> it's just a little twang to them. Okay. And, and the songs are nothing but nursery rhymes. Okay, okay. But yeah. as far as the beats, that's all it is. It's just dirty south music with a little tweak here, a little tweak there. Mm-hmm. And the Dirty South always have had that. I mean, trust me, I love I love Dirty South mm-hmm. beats. I love this. I love the trap beats. I don't catch much for the songs though, but right. I love the beats. But if I put them in perspective, I say, okay, this is a Dirty South beat. I could say in the era of Little John, mm-hmm. or this is you know you got another artist here or another artist there. Okay, it's a little bit different now, like with um, how music is going, especially with production. There's a lot more producers that's out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody's doing it. And I was having a discussion with another guests and we were talking about how easy everything is being made very easy to mimic or replicate yeah when back in the days production was kind of like um or producing music was kind of like you was like the boogeyman you was yeah you was you was underneath the bed or yeah. something you know right. nobody knew how you did it yep. i recall a time when um you know uh making music on computers wasn't very popular and there was a guy that used to live across the street from me. His pops was a DJ. His son DJed also. And he was kind of like the reporter for like all music, everything music, yeah. you know? So at the time there were record pools. I don't even know if there's record pools nah, anymore. Dude, I haven't heard of record pools <laughs> you know, you so know what I'm long. And I'm gonna tell you, I, I, when I DJed, and I DJed from, I saw DJ when I was about like, 13, because uh-huh. my father was a DJ. From 13 to maybe like 19, I DJed. Mm-hmm. That's how I actually came into the whole music game. Music thing, okay. So I got, my father was a big reggae DJ. He was in the 70s, 
'80s. He used to play. He used to play with a set in Brooklyn called Mini Mart. Oh, of okay. of '90 and of the '90s and Ben Rutland. Okay, he was with these guys over there. So, but I took to like the hip hop era of it and the old school of disco. Yeah, but but as you're saying, as you said, the whole thing that I find it like. There's so many dudes out here now mm-hmm. that's production-wise, and as you said, as you also mentioned, computers. Listen, my first setup in my house, I had um, I had an Oberheim drum machine, mm-hmm. I had an Oberheim um, sequencer, mm-hmm. I had a, a Lisi's HR16, mm-hmm. I had a wow, joint back with my keyboard. Then I think I had the Roland S10 sampling keyboard. Right. And basically, that's all it was to beats back then. It wasn't. It wasn't no sample. It was samplers but we didn't really use sample at the time and I had a four track cassette a four track yeah 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 the task game the four track cassette okay yeah yeah, yeah. Out of all the things you just mentioned, nigga, I only know one of them choices, <laughs> and that's that's the four track. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I can just imagine because sometimes, even as a producer, I also um, look for vintage gear and things right. like that. And there's there's a lot of characteristics to those old school pieces of gear that you will not get, even if they're emulated in a program. Right. It's still not the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? The feel, look, the how the knobs move when you turn them. And you I know? concur, and I agree with you 100. percent I'm gonna say. Why a buddy of mine's mm-hmm. have this program? He has some program on his computer. It's supposed to emulate the Lindrum. Right. I have made beats on the Lindrum. I, like I said, I'm, I'm up here in age. Right. So I, you know, so I know a little bit more about the older vintage. Right. And I use the Lindrum. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird machine. Really, honestly speaking, the Lindrum is just like how you have reason, mm-hmm. how you got the redrum, mm-hmm. how you got the rolling bars, and you just right. just click the patterns. Right. That's basically what it is. But it's just a modern thing. But the Lindrum, mm-hmm. you would not get that. Sound. And I remember, I remember some of the sounds of them like it was yesterday. Right. And his programmer here, you would never get that sound because number one is digital now. Mm-hmm. Before everything was all analog. Mm-hmm. And when you got an analog sound compared to a digital sound, right. it's a totally different. That's another thing I'm doing. Some way I like dirty sounds, mm-hmm. like analog. But you're not going to get that same sound. You're going to get that crisp, clean snare compared to that dirty, crunchy snare. Right. On a on an analog versus digital. Right. So I mean, like I said, bro, a lot of people. A lot of producers, a lot of programs. Mm-hmm. Like I was in Sandmash one day, and I'm looking at this stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what this. Well, any of it. Is. I have no idea. But it's crazy because even let's say if I want to do, um, let's say a disco record right now, I have to go back. I have to like relearn and listen and relisten and relearn a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing in there, and then I have to go into the program and try to make that thing happen. Yeah. You know, that's a lot harder. You yeah, know it is, saying? it is. You know, you, you don't know, sometimes you sitting around, I might um, look at a record or read some credits and say, oh, I like this bass player, what did he have on this record? Yeah. How do I find that out? Yeah. There's no way for me to find out unless I know like the engineer of that session. Exactly. You know, so I have to keep listening and keep trying to emulate the best I can um, these things. This is the era that we're kind of in right now yeah. i don't think i don't think like a lot of um younger producers right now more so into the trap you know hip-hop yeah, yeah. producers are more so into the trap um or edm edm is a big thing yeah, now that is very, very big crazy um big thing which is popping off right now what do you think about producers outside of the u.s i'm talking about producers in Ghana produces in Russia, China, and all like that. that. Well, honestly speaking, I would be watch. I was watching a couple of YouTube videos mm-hmm. on recently. I had a machine, the Native Instrument, I the machine, mm-hmm. and. I was watching like just some tutorials on it, right? And I noticed that say, if I watched a hundred videos, I would say ninety-five percent of the videos was 
like you said, producers out of the United States. Wow. Europe, Japan, they're using the machine mm -hmm. as a whole DJ setup, linked right. to their computer. Right. Like, I bet, like, the 16 pads they got up there, I'm, I sit there and be trying to program each pad. These right. dudes be doing hours worth of music on these things and running full and songs. Right. So, but I really think they are more advanced. Mm -hmm. I think they're way more advanced than producers here here in the U.S. And I think the, one of the reasons why is because we still in this little box, this little safety harness. You know, the dudes you hang around, they tell you, "Yo, that's dope" or whatever. Yeah. You stick with that and you keep going with that. And sometimes I think it's best to just step outside of that, go into some place where you're not comfortable. You're right. That's why I even try to converse with producers and DJs from Ghana, you know, right. or, you know, um, anywhere else, Russia, yeah. you know, just to see, just to pick their brain, yeah. you know, and see what, how they thinking. Because I feel like even also because everything is so easy, there's no discovery. Right. It was right though. <laughs> you know what you know, you know, and like I said, to, just to deal with the producers outside of, outside of the U.S. or thinking outside of our small box. You look at, um, my wife had always used to tell me, she said, oh, she said, oh, you should listen to like Chinese music. You should listen to like Arab music. Mm. You should listen to like Russian music and sample some of their, ask some of their, their sounds into your beats, and I was just be like, ah, right. Like that. But look at the song, getting Arab money, right? You know, and from that point, in, like they started reaching out to every era of all, like all these different the country, different country music, right? And started incorporating into like today's hip hop, and it became a big thing, and still is a big thing in certain areas. Mm. But as you said, but look at this, look at the sounds that they bring according to us. Like look at our instruments, what we have: Bass. drums. Guitars, uh -huh. keyboards. Look at China. China has like them long string joints yeah. with, the, with the bowl on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they got something to, like we hang clothes out or yeah, stuff like that. But yeah. these things, and, and I watched this one day on YouTube, and I, they make beautiful sounds. Right. So right. now, just think of that's their sound. That's their sound library. Even like Russia. I noticed that a lot of Russian sounds are chorus, like a chorus stereotype of sounds. Right. Like it always have like this, the sound just have this wide range. So it sounds more alive. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing when I used to make beats. Like I never. I've always in my in my master tracks, I always used to use um, a chorus expander right. as one of my main things to, to boost and amplify the sound. To and, expand and, and, and yeah. give it some depth. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I'm not I don't care how good it makes. I don't care. I mean, a lot of people mix real good. Some people don't mix good. Right. But I say I have gave some people, a couple producers, some tricks of that of that sound. The right. chorus expander, right? They just add a chorus room to it. You you open it up wide, like a to a deep hall behind it, right? And it just sounds so much like it just sounds so much expandable. It don't give you that flat sound right. that you're gonna hear with a lot. Cause I have had dudes give me beats. So like, yo, let's see this beat. And it's like, boom, cat, <laughs> boom, cat, boom, cat. I'm like, my brand, you didn't add, like you don't add no flash to it. You didn't add right. no revert, re a reverb with anything. Right, right. But that's another thing too. A lot of them, they do this, but they don't know too much about the reverbs. Right, now. I think it's a, in the, the aspect of mixing, you have people that mix very, very dry, very two dimensional. Yeah. And then you have people that mix like they're making a sculpture, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they're adding reverb, flanger, chorus, yeah. and all these different different things. Some people just only want to use compressor and limiter. And nah, you got to go more than that. <laughs> right, and I, that's what I'm saying. There's so many by, in this day and age of like everybody going on YouTube and doing tutorials, yeah. 
people are getting into this habit of this is the way to do it, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna do it this way. Right. They didn't discover anything. Yeah. A tape didn't pop on them, a uh, speaker <laughs> exactly. didn't blow on them, you exactly. know what I'm saying? A uh, 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 record player belt didn't pop off a fly off and, and they won't figure it out. Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm old school. Like now, the speed, the, the studio monitors now have the, they got the amps built into them. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm old school. When you used to have a real power amp, sorry, that's right. where that has a lollipop on it. Right. So the lollipop blows, mm -hmm. so now you gotta kill your whole session to go to go to, to the city, go to Canal High Five. Right. And, and like, listen, I need this lollipop resistor. Right. And you know, you come back home, put it in. But now everything's now is just so modern technology. Right. But I, man, listen, I'm gonna tell you like this. I love what I did back then, mm -hmm. but I'll do it all over again with the newer stuff. With the newer so, stuff, so it's easier it's to do. It's a lot easier. It's easy to do. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's, that's definitely true. Um, quick question. Who is one of your favorite producers? Hmm. Give me your top five. Okay. From any era. I don't, I don't era, even care. I'm going to have to say RZA. Okay. Um, Pete Rock. Because that's a similar style of what I was into when I was doing music. Right. I will come forward and say DJ Khaled because he has a very, very wide range of music um, mm -hmm. experience. And t t as far as his listening, mm -hmm. that I can go back a little bit more and I would say, wow. You know, I got to get Puffy his props because okay. he was a sample king. Yeah. You know, and he did things with samples that I was like, wow, you know, this I didn't think this could really be done. Right. I didn't really think this could be done. And I would say given like the fifth, I'll say fifth and last, I'll say myself because mm -hmm. I was really big on what I did. <laughs> okay. I, did music, you know? <laughs> okay. I, I hear that. I mean, yeah. you have to have some type of confidence within yourself to be a producer. Right. Next question is, why do you think it's always the transition from DJ to producer? Well, Honestly speaking, I'm gonna say because I was ex DJ turned producer. Mm -hmm. I feel that a DJ has a much more ear bearing for sounds mm -hmm. than say somebody to just go to sleep. Okay, you could just come out of school for this, and I could just I could be a DJ turned producer. I think the DJ turned producer would make more holler beats because number one, think about it, a DJ blends, mm -hmm. so they know they know exactly how to put them the beats per minute together. They know what sound for sound is going to match. Mm -hmm. So that's going to, and they already know where you stand as far as as a DJ that's mm -hmm. making a beat compared to a producer just coming out of school. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, one of my favorite producers is um, this guy from, he's from the 70s, late 70s into the 80s, His name is Larry Levine. Okay. And how I got introduced to him was I met another DJ. Right. And he was from around that era. He was a, I think he was Colombian, Colombian guy. And uh, he used to do freestyle music. And he's like, yo, I, I know you do music and everything. Try listening to, you know, Larry Levine or, you know, and people say his name differently. They say Larry Levin, Levin yeah. Larry. They say all different types of things. He opened me up to this guy and I'm like, wow, this is crazy because all the music sounds so dope, but he was a DJ, but he's also a producer. Right. You know, later on, he kind of like became a producer, was in the studio, because at the time, I think during the 70s, there wasn't really too much of like crossfaders until yeah. like Grandmaster Flash, oh, Grandmaster right? Flash, so correct. until, yeah, yeah right, until right. that time. So a lot of DJs didn't have real ways of blending. They had yeah. to get different mixers and put them right. together. To so this guy actually went into the studio. He was so frustrated with it that he went into the studio and started doing his own blends right. and then pressing them up on vinyl, which okay. then made him that, you know, 
popular. Right. You know, mind you, he was um, DJing at a Paradise Garage, which that that's like a, um, a gay club yeah. in the city, and it became and that actually made the Paradise Garage popular. <laughs> you know, because of the blends, because of his blends and because of his music. Right. You know what I mean? So I think as a DJ. Um, and as a producer, we have a lot of a lot of power and a lot of value. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because we're sitting inside of our homes or we sitting inside of a studio at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and we saying, damn, when, when this million dollars, when this million dollar bag going to come in? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, we were saying the same thing about five months ago, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a cycle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It it's a dumb. cycle. Um, I try, me personally, I just try not to take any of it too serious. I try not to take myself too serious and I try not to take all of this stuff too seriously. I just try to enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, the minute, to it all. Yeah, the minute that I feel like the minute that I stop enjoying it, that I'm I'm not gonna do it no more. Yeah. But you, you know, know but you're right though with that pattern. And also getting back to you said producers, um, why do you feel producers versus mm -hmm. um why do you feel DJ versus producers? Mm -hmm. Now also you look at it like this too. Remember, okay now I was a DJ that came up, I was in the scratching and cutting area. I was in the tricks and everything like that. Right. So at the same time, I was sitting there taking my hands, my physical hands, mm -hmm. a record one record and one crossfader and making a beat just from a scratch right so right. you already now as a producer you already Mm -hmm. You as a DJ, you already producing right there, right? Because right, you take it, right. you said you got that one. Whether it was good times, rock, bounce, roll, skate, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it right. is. You had that one sound, which was, and you just however you decide you wanted to crossfade and scratch it. Mm -hmm. You built your own sound. So basically, you was building a beat on top of a song already. Um, look at Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. Clark Kent was a was a DJ. He was one of my idols. You right. know, like grew up in the same area, at the mm -hmm. same area as him. Same thing as DJ Scratch. Grew up in the same area. And I used to watch these right. guys and be like. This stuff is impossible, and I go home and try it. No, I couldn't do it. But right, from you kept seeing trying, them, from though. seeing them, mm. I learned from it, and that's right. how I became who I was. Right, and you know, but unfortunately, I didn't make it to that level where I wanted to make it. Like right. you said, what is that million dollar bag on the drop? Right, but you know what? Hey, I'm alive. I got a good life, and yeah. I like what I do now. <laughs> but I still love music till this day, and it won't stop loving it. Right. Well, so on that note, we're gonna close the show out with our guests here, Big C. You can um, hit me up with. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions at thebeatstow at gmail.com. And uh, this is the end of episode number five.